all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. Aaron, top of the circle, steps back. Long three for the win. Got it! With 2.3 to play. Rebounded by Harker. And he's injured. Welcome into Outside the Huddle. It is another great week. Well, not so great because we still don't have sports here, but we're going to try to fill the gap here for uh, hopefully not too much longer with the rest of our bracket that we started last episode. We have a guest on this week, which we'll get to real quick. Uh, but Shay, how are you feeling now, week three of no sports? Oh, my gosh. I watched like two seasons of My Strange Addiction, mm-hmm. and I watched a couple that puts coffee up their butt. I saw you tweet about that, and I knew exactly what you were talking about. Oh, my gosh. It was, like, coffee enemas or something? Yes. And then last night I saw men that dressed up as, like, rubber women, and it's something – I just really need sports back. I'm going to go crazy. If I keep watching My Strange Addiction, I'm never leaving my house again. Yeah. I've done, like, a different movie each night, and I watched The Platform that's on Netflix the other night. And it is, like, the most effed up movie I've ever seen. Not, like, effed up in, like, a gross way. It's just, like, super weird. And if anybody's seen it, they probably know. Like, everybody who's seen it that I've I've talked to, like, it's super weird. Basically, like, these people are in prison, and there's, like, different levels, and that's why it's called The Platform. And it's you just got to watch it. I I can't even explain it, but I would recommend watching it just because it's so weird. Um, And then I watched, like, The Wolf of Wall Street the other night, which is a great movie, so kind of the opposite of gory weird um and then i think i may try to start the wire tonight because i heard hbo is doing like a free like couple weeks for people so i may get into that um but let's go ahead shay and let's introduce our guest he is from the talk tide podcast you can follow them on twitter at tide talk underscore pod his name is jake thomas you can follow him on twitter at jake thomas tide and believe it or not he's an alabama crimson tide fan if you couldn't put it all together Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, guys. Thank you all for having me on. I'm excited to be be here. Absolutely. So we mostly wanted to get you and then potentially your co-host Stacy as well. Uh, but Stacy said his kids are going crazy tonight, so he can't make it. Uh, but we want to get some some tied perspective. Um, we have Shay, who's the, the Auburn fan, and I'm the Florida side. Um, and then probably besides LSU, who also had a lot of members on our bracket here, Alabama was obviously number one. Um, with a number of players. So we want to get a, an Alabama fan's perspective because we were kind of uncertain about a few of these matchups here. But I think coming from an Alabama fan, you'll have a little bit better understanding of uh, some of these matchups. I know we have a couple between different Alabama players. So um, we'll go ahead and get into that here. Last week, we unveiled the left half of our bracket, the Tim Tebow quadrant and then the Jadavion Clowney quadrant. Um, nothing major in terms of upsets here. Um, we had a 12 and a, or an 11 and a 13 win, um, which isn't too crazy, but the ones, twos and threes and four seeds all advanced. Um, I'll go ahead and run through those real quick. And then we'll talk about the other side of our bracket, which we're about to unveil. Um, 
so the number one uh, seed we had in the Tebow bracket, Tebow, um, beat Morris Claiborne pretty easily. Um, and then Mark Barron, the eighth seed, beat Michael Orr in a close battle there. So Tebow versus Mark Barron, uh, we'll get into that one next week. And then the biggest upset around one was Zach Cunningham, which I'm not overly surprised about, Shay, because we talked about Cunningham being the only Vanderbilt player. And I know we had a couple of Vanderbilt fans retweet that. Um, so actually the, the two teams, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, who only had one player, they both advanced, which I'm not too surprised about um, just because they only have one person to back. Uh, but Zach Cunningham beating Miles Garrett there. And then Patrick Peterson, the four seed, beating Ashawn Robinson. So we'll have Peterson versus Cunningham next round. And then this one actually tied. So this would have been the biggest upset. We had C.J. Mosley and Randall Cobb, the 314 there, at an exact tie. So we ran a quick overtime. C.J. Mosley came on top three seeds, so he'll advance to face Trent Richardson, who upset Landon Collins there. Richardson was the 11, and Collins was the 6. Um, Jake, what do you think about that? Who would you take, Trent Richardson or Landon Collins in that bad matchup? Oh, man. Uh, that's a, That was an interesting bracket. But uh, I would give the nod to uh, Trent Richardson. Um, everybody knows what happened. You know, he, he kind of fell apart in the NFL, but when he was a Tide, yeah. man, he, yeah. he was absolutely impressive. Yeah. And I'm kind of, I'm, I was surprised that he was going to advance. Cause like you said, in college, he was great, but people know him as a big NFL bust, probably one of right. the biggest from Bama. So I thought I was afraid that that may have some impact on it, but it looks like Bama fans still realize how good he was in college, so that's good. Um, and then below that, we had Dak Prescott, the lone Mississippi State player, upsetting Alshon Jeffrey in the 7-10 matchup. And then Derek McFadden, who I think had the biggest margin of victory overall in the first round. I think he was like 98 to 2%. Derek McFadden beats Sanquez Golson, so we'll have Dak versus Darren next round. Um, in the Jadavion Clowney bracket, Jadavion Clowney beat Reggie Ragland fairly easily. Um <laughs> Reggie actually won the the playing game. That was one. D. Milner, Morris Claiborne was the other, which Claiborne won. Um, below that, facing Jadavion Clowney will be Laurent Landry, who beat Terrence Cody in the 8-9 matchup. Landry was the 8th seed. We had Derek Brown, the 5, beating Josh Allen, the 12. And then Amari Cooper, the 4, beating Bakari Rambo, the 13. Shanna, you like Bakari Rambo there? <laughs> well, with a name like that, I mean. Yeah. If this was based on names, Bakari Rambo definitely won the whole thing, but um, not based on names. So Amari Cooper, which also is a pretty, pretty good name. Um, he'll move on. And then Tyron Matthew, the three seed, uh, uh, beat Melvin Ingram. And then Minka Fitzpatrick actually won the playing game over Andrew Thomas and then beat Patrick Willis. Uh, in the 11-6 matchup. So he's got two wins under his belt there. Um, and then A.J. Green, the 10 seed, beating Jake Matthews. And then Derrick Henry, the 2, beating Hunter Henry, the 15. Um, my first observation from this side, Shay, and I kind of expected this to happen, the offensive lineman did terrible. Oh, I, yeah. I think A.J. Green got like 80% of the votes there over Jake Matthews. Um, in the play-in game, Andrew Thomas got destroyed by Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, I don't know if Michael or lost. I think those are the three linemen we had on the offensive linemen on that side, but I think the offensive linemen just have a tough, just because they're not um, sexy players and it's hard to, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like what you were saying. Um, oh my gosh, there's that. Okay. I don't remember names. Mm-hmm. ESPN has a commentator who refers to, you know, style of play playmakers as, Sexy football, as you just mm-hmm. said. Not once do you ever hear somebody compliment an offensive lineman 
you know, if you're watching the television, nobody's just going to, like, look at a replay unless, you know, they absolutely blow a guy on the defense yeah. up. I mean, unless they're built like a bulldozer and, like, are knocking guys over, like, you know, knocking people out as an offensive lineman, you're not going to hear much about them. Here, here's, a problem, here's a problem with offensive linemen. I'm sure you noticed this two years ago with Auburn. I noticed a lot this year with Florida. You only notice an offensive lineman if they're doing bad. Yeah. Like, you don't notice them if they do good. Like I said, if they have, like, a big pullout, if they're pulling out and, like, just destroy a corner, you'll notice that. But you don't notice them if they have good pass protection. You don't notice them if they have a good run block. You only notice them if they get beat a lot, which I think hurts the offensive linemen in this. Yep. Um, really, the only thing people know from these offensive linemen are where they were drafted. Um, like, all these offensive linemen we have are first-round picks, so hopefully that will help a little bit. But nobody remembers them playing in college, unless, you know, you're a fan of their team and you notice them a lot. But... Um, I think it's, it's tough, tough sledding. I think we have a few more offensive linemen uh, on the other side who we'll get into, but I, I think it'll be a, a tough road for these offensive linemen, unfortunately, who, who do a lot of the dirty work. Oh, they're the unsung heroes. They are. That's for- they are. Let's go ahead and get into the next side. Um, so we have two other quadrants. We'll go ahead and vote on these. The one, so we had the first four, like how the NCAA does it in their basketball tournament. We had one from this side already, so you know this one. Um, the 11 seed in this first quadrant was Vernon Hargraves versus Jerry Judy, and Judy advanced, so he's an 11 seed in there. That is going to be Shady. You want to give me a drum roll for the number one seed, Mr. Cam Newton. So our second quarterback, who's a one seed, we'll give you a hint. The third one's also a quarterback, but we had a lot of debate on him. We'll get into that in a second. Cam Newton here, um, the number one seed in this quadrant. He's going to face Brad Wing, the 16 seed. We want to get a couple of punters in here. We've got two punters, uh, both of them 16 seeds, just because they're probably not going to do much. But um, a couple of All-American punters from the SEC in this time period. So Brad Wing the great punter from uh, LSU. I think he's still in the NFL. I know he was with the Giants for a while, um, but we may have to look him up and see what he's doing now. Uh, but Cam Newton versus Brad Wing should be a good matchup there. Probably not. Um, below them, the 8-9 seed. The 8 seed is Joe Hayden from Florida, and then the 9 seed is Rolando McClain. Um, so let's go ahead and get into that, Shay. You're kind of unbiased in this where uh, Jake and I each have a dog in the fight. Who do you like in the Joe Hayden, Rolando McClain matchup? Um, let's see. I'm going to have to go with Rolando McClain here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, honestly, this is going to be one of those things where it's a toss up mm-hmm. because it's an eight seed versus a nine seed. Yeah. I will tell you a little fact or a little statistic here. The eight seeds are two and zero. Oh which makes me favor Rolando McClain because he's the nine seed and typically you have the eight nine split. Um, Joe Hayden, one of the older players in this bracket, he was closer to the 15 years ago where Rolando McClain's a little bit more recent. Um, another trend we kind of saw early on, at least in the more toss up matchups, the new or the more recent players tended to do a little bit better. Um, I think just because people have a fresher memory of them and maybe some of the younger followers don't remember some of these older players, um, like, for example, Patrick Willis lost, um, which I think is kind of BS because he was probably one of the best defenders in this time period. But he was almost the 15-year-ago mark, um, so I think a lot of people forget about him. So um, a little update on Brad Wing. Brad yeah. Wing is currently an undrafted free agent. Well, I mean, he's he's not on a team, but he's a free agent. Where so, was he most recent? 
Let's take a look. Also a free agent, the guy he's facing, Cam Newton. Shay, where do you think Cam's going? Oh, gosh. I have no idea. So I've this is a battle of free agents. Uh, the most recent NFL team he was on was the Giants. Okay. What and year was that? He was cut from them after 2017. He took a year off, and then he played for the Memphis Express last okay. year. Which well, AAF. AFL team. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he's probably done then. Um, Jake, give me your pitch here for Alana McClain to beat Joe Hayden, unless you think Hayden should win. Oh, man. I mean, I, I'm with Shay on this. I mean, Rolando McLean, just uh, his junior year uh, stats alone. I mean, he had 105 tackles, 14 and a half tackles for loss, four sats, two interceptions, 14 QB hur- hurries. I mean, the dude was, was absolutely uh, oh. amazing in Alabama. I mean, he uh, played sexy football. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he did. Now, Joe Hayden uh, is also a great pick. I, I believe this matchup here is going to be another of these 50-50 splits. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it just depends if, if you get – if you reach out more to the Alabama fans or to the Florida fans in this matchup. But but either pick here – yeah, I'm going to go with Rolando because he's an Alabama guy, but either pick here is going – you know, I, I could see it going either way. Yeah. This one, you know, it'll probably just come down to whatever fan base gets more behind their player. Um, yeah. We actually talked about this before. We did a little poll last week on our, on our Twitter page to see who we had the biggest fan base. And Auburn was one, and then Bama and Florida were basically tied for second. So this one should be, you know, pretty much a toss-up in all regards, um, just because our fan base, at least following our Twitter page, is fairly split between Florida and Alabama. So uh, I guess we'll have to campaign for our player to see who we want. Um, right. Let's move on to the next one here, the... 12 versus 5 matchup. We have 12 seated Mike Evans, wide receiver from Texas A&M, and then the 5 seated Reggie Nelson, All-American safety from Florida. Um, I think Reggie may be in a little bit of a tough battle here just because, like I mentioned, Reggie Nelson, I think he finished in 06, so he was barely on this cut. Um, and then Mike Evans, still one of the best receivers in the NFL. Um, people know him a little bit more recently. So this one could be an upset alert um, just because of the recency bias, I guess, people have of remembering Mike Evans a little bit better. And he's still very relevant in the NFL. I think Reggie Nelson's still on a team, but he's not at the Mike Evans level. But any thoughts from either of you on this matchup here? Um, Let's see. I think Mike Evans, for his career and tenure at Texas A&M, I mean, he was one of those more he he kind of flew below the radar mm-hmm. um, because you know the first year, like Manziel's Heisman year, yeah. that was a huge year for Texas A&M, and then the next year, you know, they kind of that's when they kind of went undetected. Yeah. Um, I think he. I think he's kind of under-seeded here. Um, yeah. But, I mean, his NFL career stats speak for themselves. And I think part of the reason we have him under-seeded here is just the number of wide receivers we have on this. Yeah. And when we made these brackets, we wanted to try to limit each position and spread them out. That way we didn't have – you know, we, we, we originally had four quarterbacks as the one seed. We wanted to switch that up. We had – almost all the running backs as like top four seeds and we have to spread them out. So some of these players may be a little underseated just because of that. Um, I think Mike Evans is definitely one who you could argue should be a little bit higher. Um, but we'll see Jake, what are your, what are your thoughts on this one? I'm actually going to upset as well. Mike mm-hmm. Evans, man, 
Well, he did uh, against Alabama. The man mm-hmm. had, had the, he's a big, tall, lanky receiver, and he just went up against our 5'10", 5'11", corners and just grabbed every ball that was thrown up to him. I mean, yeah. and and like you said, um, you know, he's had a really good uh, NFL career, and I'm excited to see what him and Brady's going to do. Yeah. You know, so, um, but yeah, I'm going to pick Mike Evans in this matchup. Alrighty. So the winner of that will face the winner of this 413 matchup. Our first Alabama Alabama matchup of the day. We have the four seeded Dante Hightower versus the 13 seeded Ruben Foster. What are your thoughts on this one, Jake? Man, that's a that's a tough one as well. Um, I'm going with Ruben Foster actually. Uh, okay. I love Dante, I love Dante, uh, but his time um, Ruben Foster at Alabama. Man, you've seen him blow up players. Uh, left and right, he he blew up, I believe, um, Fournette in a mm-hmm. game, and uh, I mean he he was a headhunter, and uh, you know if you got near him, he was gonna lay lay you out, and uh, he he just speaks for himself. But Dante Hightower is also a great player, but I'm gonna give the edge here to Ruben Foster. Okay, that should be interesting. Shay, do you have a, a dog in the fight here? Who you think's gonna win? I was so I would. Ask actually pick Dante Hightower. While I think Reuben Foster, there's a lot of power there. And, you know, there's a lot of aggression on the field. I, too, think it comes with the liability. Um, you've seen it several times. Reuben Foster got called for targeting. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, really, do I, I think Reuben Foster, as a player, is better and more powerful but I also look at him from like a liability aspect, which is why I, I'm not picking him in this matchup. Okay. It's a good thought. He's also the four seed, Dante is, so that may help anybody who may be undecided. I think some people may just pick the higher seed just because. Um, we'll see. That should be a good matchup here. A um, couple of good ones already early. Um, next up, we have somebody we just mentioned, number three, Leonard Fournette versus the 14 seeded Matt Elam. Uh, another running back here. Anybody you want to make a case against Leonard Fournette in this matchup? I don't. <laughs> All right. No. I, I probably won't either. Even as a Florida fan, I know Matt Elam was pretty good, but Leonard Fournette was probably one of the most dominating running backs of the last decade, um, mm-hmm. just in what he was doing there at LSU at that point. Um, so I think he'll probably roll to a pretty easy victory here, but we shall see. Ooh, another Alabama-Alabama matchup. And this one should be very interesting. The 6-11 seed, we have the 6-seeded Julio Jones versus the 11-seeded Jerry Judy. This one should be interesting. Both very um, similar players, first based on them being wide receivers from Alabama, uh, but also kind of their their style of play here. Um, Shay, I guess I'll start with you here. Who would you take, Julio or Jerry Judy? I'd have to go with Julio Jones. Okay. Any reason why? Uh, just a more dominant playing career. I'm, I'm with Shay. Um, me, me and Stacy talked talked about it before in our podcast. Mm-hmm. Julio Jones was the stepping stone of yeah. the very first wide receiver to come to Alabama during this great run, mm-hmm. and and he was he's laid the foundation for the Judys, for the Rugs, for you know uh, to to have have success at Alabama. So. You know, I believe, and everybody still loves Julio. So yeah. I believe Julio uh, will get the nod in this one. I, I agree. Yeah. 
I, I agree too. Like like you mentioned, Julio was really the first big receiver under Saban. And also you got to think Julio was doing this stuff in a power eye run first offense with John Parker Wilson throwing to him. And Jerry Judy's got this RPO spread offense with Tua, which I think gives him a little bit of an advantage. So the fact that Julio did what he did and put up the numbers he did and how good he's been in the NFL as well should also, I think, probably get some fans on his side. But um, we'll see another you know tough Alabama-Alabama matchup there. Um, let's move on. This one's really heavy with defense here in this bracket. We have two more defensive players, the 7-10 matchup. We have Jarvis Jones versus Glenn Dorsey, the 10 seed. Either of you want to make a case for either of those players? Mm, I don't know them well enough. <laughs> yeah, these are two older players. I, I think Dorsey maybe got drafted in 09 and Jarvis Jones shortly after that. I have to look at the exact year. But, um, yeah, this one should be another toss-up. I think I would lean towards Glenn Dorsey. Yeah, um, just based on college career, I think Jarvis Jones has been a little bit better than the pros. I think Dorsey, if I remember right, didn't do much um, in the NFL. But in terms of college career, Glenn Dorsey, I think he was on the 07 National Championship for LSU, and he was kind of their defensive star in that team. And I know just from what I remember of him, he was a pretty dominating player there. Jake, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, man. Um, you know, Glenn Dorsey was, was a freak of nature. Uh, on that defensive front for LSU. And, um, you know, I believe he gets the nod over Jarvis Jones. Mm-hmm. That's, that should be another toss. I think a lot of these are going to be close. A lot of the other side were blowouts, but I think I'm hoping we get some close ones here, maybe a couple overtime games. Um, the last one here, so the winner of Dorsey versus Jones will get either the two-seed Mark Ingram or the 15-seed Javon Kinlaw. Anybody see an upset chance here? Uh, I don't. No, no way. <laughs> you don't think so? No. I agree. Yeah, I, th- I think Mark will probably roll in this one. Um, like you said, he's kind of the, like you mentioned with Julio Jones, kind of the first Bama running back to take things by storm. And I think he'll probably get this one pretty easily. He is the first uh, Alabama player to have a uh, Heisman trophy, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, which is amazing to think about. Yeah. It's crazy. Um. That is it. So that is the Cam Newton region. Let's go ahead and I'll roll through that real quick. So we have Cam Newton versus Brad Wing, 116. Eight-seeded Joe Hayden versus nine-Rolanda McLean, 12-seeded Mike Evans versus five-seed Reggie Nelson, 13-seed Reuben Foster versus four, Dante Hightower, third-seed Leonard Fournette versus 14-seed Matt Elam, six, Julio Jones versus seven, Jerry Judy, seven, Jarvis Jones versus 10, Glenn Dorsey, and then two, Mark Ingram versus 15, Javon Kinlaw. These will all be posted on Monday, probably sometime morning to midday. They'll run uh, for 24 hours. We'll do the Cam Newton region Monday, and then Probably Johnny Manziel, who's the number one seed. I just ruined it there. So Johnny Manziel is the one seed in our next region there. His bracket is going to run on Tuesday, and then we'll pick up next week. So Johnny Manziel, the one seed here. We had a lot of debate before we made this um, with our selection committee. It was pretty much down between Joe Burrow, Johnny Manziel, and then Darren McFadden. And we gave it to Johnny Manziel. Stacy, what do you think of that? Do you think he should be the, the one seed out of that group? Or excuse me, Jake. I was going to say, Stacey came on. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, what was your question again? My bad. 
Yeah, so we, we were kind of – this is our – I guess if you want to rank them, our fourth one seed. Um, mm-hmm. We pretty much had Jadavion Clowney, T-Bone, Cam Newton made up. And then we were down to Johnny Menzel, Joe Burrow, and then Darren McFadden is who we were debating for this last one seed. Um, who would you have put in that group as the one seed? Uh, I think it's perfect. Johnny Menzel had had an awesome career at uh, at A&M, so the number one seed there is correct, I okay. do believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think the main reason, Shay, that we talked about was just the fact that Burrow really only had one year um, right. where he was kind of that guy. Even looking at his 2018 stats, he was – a middle-of-the-pack SEC quarterback. Johnny Menzel had two pretty amazing years, including a Heisman. Um, I guess the argument on the other side is Joe Burrow won a national championship, but um, potentially these guys could face off um, in this region, so I guess we'll let the fans decide if we were right or not. Uh, But Johnny Menzel is going to be facing our other puncher here, the 16-seeded Chaz Henry from Florida, our other All-American punter from the SEC in this time period. Um, and that's really the only reason we put him and Brad Wing on, because they were All-Americans. Just like Alvin Lyman, you can't really judge punters on anything except for awards. Um, so we got Manziel versus Chaz Henry there. If anybody thinks an upset's going to happen, speak now. I don't particularly think anything's going to happen here. Um, but the winner of that one is going to face a winner of a very good matchup here, the 8-9. I'll let you guys debate this because we have 8-seeded Quinnen Williams versus 9-seed Nick Fairley. Mm. Jake, we'll give it to you first. 8-seeded Quinnen Williams. Tell the fans why he deserves to win this. Uh, because it's Quinnen Williams. I mean, he is a very likable guy. Um, his stats um, are, you know, speak for themselves. Nick Fairley is also a great pick. Uh, but he, of course, Bama fans, he's on, he's on another team we don't talk about. So mm-hmm. you got to get out and vote for, vote for Q. You know, we still love him at, at Alabama and, uh, he will be in our hearts forever. Shay, give us your pitch for Nick Fairley. Okay. Well, I guess my pitch for Nick Fairley, I, um, you could say he was physical. He was aggressive. He played on an Auburn team where the only other star was Cam Newton. So that's and that was the opposite end of the field for Auburn that year. Um so Nick Fairley was kind of a one man show on Auburn's defense. And, you know, being a one man show, they made it all the way to the national championship and won. Um granted, okay, in the NFL, kind of a head case, kind of a head case in college too. Mm-hmm. But if you're an Auburn person Got to go with the guy that helped us get to where we wanted to be. Hmm. Let me ask you this, Shay. Has Nick Fairley ever sneezed, blessed himself, and then thanked himself all within like five seconds? You know what? He hasn't, and that is, that's real baller status right that's there. That's Quentin Williams' edge right there. That could be the, the thing that sets him apart. Absolutely. That is probably one of the best sound bites ever. Bless it. Bless hey, it. No. Thank you. He knew that Saban somewhere was watching. He knew yeah. he had to show up right then. <laughs> yeah, so that should be a good one. We'll see if Auburn or Bama can win that matchup. I think that may be our only Auburn-Bama matchup first round, um, which that may be a mistake on our part. We should have more of those. Um, the 12 versus 5 matchup here, and this is going to put our offensive line theory to the test because we have the 12 seed Nick Chubb versus the 5 seed Luke Jokel, who I think we said was a number two overall pick back in whatever year he got drafted, um, the offensive lineman from A&M. Do you guys think the offensive lineman can beat Nick Chubb here, or do you think Chubb's going to pull the 12-5 upset? No, nah, 12. Chubb's got this. 
Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Cause Chubb, he was robbed of a year with that injury. And, and I hate to see it cause he mm-hmm. is a, he wasn't a dominant back in, uh, at Georgia in, in college. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this would be another upset here. Sorry to the offensive lineman out there. Um, you know, you guys make a lot of money in the NFL. I'll give you that. It's just, you know, outside of quarterbacks, you probably make the most. So just take your money and be happy. Um, next up, the winner of that will face the winner of this 4-13 matchup. We have the 13-seeded Michael Sam. And I think he's the only Missouri player we have on this list. Shay, we may have to double-check that. Um, so Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Missouri, I think, only had one player each. Um, so we have Michael Sam, 13-seed, versus the 4-seeded Brandon Spikes from Florida. Either of you guys want to make a case for either of them? Uh, Brandon Spots has got this hands down. I mean, yeah, I like the name. I don't know enough about either yeah. of them, but Brandon Spikes, the last name Spikes, he's got. Mm-hmm. This. Yeah, he he would be up there with Bakari Rambo for for the names list for sure. Oh yeah, Michael oh, yeah. Spikes. Absolutely, and and, and, and yeah, I think it I mean, hurt. yeah. Oh. I was gonna say it, I just think it hurts that Michael Sam's playing in Missouri. No, no offense mm-hmm. to Missouri, but they've been down ever since they've been in the SEC pretty much. I think they had one one year where they won the East. So yeah. you know that hurts his name just a little bit. Mm-hmm. His chance. Yeah. Um, yeah, Missouri definitely. You know, like you said, no offense to them, but they don't have. They also don't have a great fan base following us. If any Missouri fans are out there, get some more of your fans following us. We want you, but uh, we have a lot more Florida fans following us. So I think Spikes will have the advantage there. Plus. All-American, national champion, whatever mm-hmm. else you know you want to add to his list. Um, one of I, I would say probably, arguably the best defensive player from Florida in this time period. Um, I think there's a couple other names you could throw in there, but Spikes was probably at least in terms of his impact, probably the best. Um, maybe not talent-wise, but I think he'll he'll probably roll to an easy victory here. Um, next up have a Tennessee Volunteer. I think our only vol on this half of the bracket. Three seed Eric Berry versus 14 seed Marcus Lattimore from South Carolina. Um, Shay, who do you like in this matchup? Oh, I love Marcus Lattimore. Mm-hmm. That guy played with such an edge and intensity. Um, I mean, he South Carolina was just so blessed to have him. Mm-hmm. And such a shame the way his career ended there. Yes. But he's going I, up against Eric Berry. Yeah, I believe that Lattimore's coaching now. Yeah, so. he is. Yeah. yeah, I think he's with South Carolina as an assistant of some sort. Do you think he's got what it takes to beat Eric Berry, though? Yes. You think so? Yes. We'll see. What do you think, Jake? Uh, I mean, I love Marcus Lattimore. It, it sucked that he got injured and, and ended his career because he was going to have a bright career in the mm-hmm. NFL. But man, Eric Berry, what he has done at the college level and in the pros, yeah, speaks for himself, man. He he is he is still. I don't know what he's done now, but I know the last like five years ago, when four or five years ago, I mean, he was dominating the NFL. So mm-hmm. he's um, it's gonna be hard for Lattimore to to beat Berry. Yeah, I think that's gonna be a tough one. Um, we'll see. I, I think Barry will win too, but like I said, Mark's Lattimore, very popular now, especially among South Carolina fans. We'll see if they're able to get behind their guy and get him a win. Um, the winner of that one is going to face either Percy Harvin, the six seed versus Todd Gurley, the 11 seed. So a little Florida, Georgia action here. A couple of playmakers um, here from Florida and Georgia. Who do you guys like in this matchup? I'm going with uh, Percy Harvin. 
Okay. Uh, I mean, Todd Gurley is a great, great back, but Percy Harvin, you can't, you can't coach speed, and that that kid has speed. Yeah, I've got to go with uh, Jake here. Mm-hmm. Percy Harvin, he is one of the most dominant um, receivers I can think of in the last thirty years, forty mm-hmm. years even. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel bad, you know. Todd Gurley's great, but you know, he—I don't—I wouldn't say he's as fast or as efficient as Percy Harvin. I know, you know, wide receivers and running backs are kind of comparing like apples and, and oranges. Um, mm. But you just—it's hard to say that any offensive player is better than Percy Harvin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least the skill position, and I'm yeah. obviously going to take Percy Harvin here. Um, just you know, seeing him up close and what he was able to do there—not just as a receiver, but as a running back too. I think he had probably around 20 to 30 carries a season, um, especially you know towards the end of his career at Florida. I know he carried a lot, um, and you know the national championship game he had over 150 yards of total offense there. Um, he was, you know, just an all-around playmaker. I think Todd Gurley. I don't want to say his college career wasn't as good as his people think, but I think he kind of peaked in the NFL. Um, I think he really got good once he got to the NFL. I think college, he, I mean, he was obviously still a very good player in college, but I don't think Gurley was at his full potential in college that he reached in the NFL, which is kind of rare to see um, a player be better in the NFL than they were in college. But the first couple of years he had there in the NFL, and we'll see what happens with his injuries. Uh, but Todd Gurley was really really great player in the NFL the first couple of years. And um, I guess that's my pitch for him, but I, I still would go with Percy, obviously um, in a, in a landslide here. Um, two more matchups here. We've got the seven ten number seven, Roquan Smith from Georgia versus number 10, Evan Ingram from Ole Miss. One of our few tight ends on this list. Um, Ole Miss, I think, I think Evan Ingram's their last player left. I think both of their players on the other side of the bracket got eliminated already. Uh, so any Ole Miss fans out there, pull hard for your boy Evan Ingram here. Um, either of you guys want to pick one here, or do you think this one's going to be pretty much a toss-up as well? I think it'll be a toss-up. I, I think Evan Ingram's going to win. Um, okay. I mean, Roquan Smith had a really good career. Um, he was pretty much the the um, during during their SEC run, uh, mm-hmm. Georgia is uh, the best defensive player, uh, but. But Evan Ingram, that last year at Ole Miss, man, he he went lights out. Mm-hmm. Uh, 926 yards of, of, rece- of receiving and eight touchdowns. So Yeah, he was probably the best single season, at least, that you mentioned there for a tight end in this period. I know we have a couple other tight ends on this list um, who also had great careers. But, yeah, he was really something else, especially on a Ole Miss team that was going through some troubles at that time and had all the – outside noise kind of speaking to them. Um, but I, I don't know. This, this is another really tough one here. Like you mentioned with Rokon Smith, probably the heart and soul of that Georgia defense. They're, they're, you know, the year they lost in the championship. Uh, but Evan Ingram, you know, versatile tight end, probably one of the best, like we mentioned in the SEC in this period. Um, I would probably vote for Roquan. Um, and I don't know if that's just because I'm a Bears fan and he's doing really well with the Bears and I like him now, um, even though I didn't in college. But I think this one's this is going to be another good toss-up. Um, and then the last matchup, the two versus 15 seeds, uh, we have two LSU players here, actually. Number two, Joe Burrow. Uh, so potentially Johnny Manziel, Joe Burrow, and the Elite Eight if they can advance versus 15 seed Grant Delpit. 
um, which I didn't notice this until we unveiled the bracket that we had two LSU players. Because I think besides Alabama, we tried to avoid that for every team. Alabama was kind of just too hard because of how many players they had. Um, but Joe Burrow, Grandel Pitt, two players actually played together on LSU these past couple of years. Either of you guys think Grandel Pitt can pull an upset? Oh, I think people – Joe Burrow is so close in people's minds and so recent. It's mm-hmm. going to be very hard for Grant Delpit to take any edge here. Let, let me re-ask that question here. What percentage do you think Joe Burrow is going to get in the vote? 70%. 70? What do you think, Jake? I think it uh, would be 70 75. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, I know I know LSU fans love Delpit as well, and I think LSU right. fans may love him more than other people do, especially this past year. I mean, we don't have to get into this, but I think Grant Delpit kind of had a bad year. Um, I think he's 2018 season was a lot better than this season. Um, but I know LSU fans I talked to, they love Grant Delpit. So I think maybe some of them will give him some love just to, you know, have it not be blowout. But yeah, I think, I think Joe Burrow here. Um, this one should be a good bat. This one should be good, pretty good bracket. Um, so just to review, we got Manziel, we've got Percy Harvin, we have Brandon Spikes, Eric Berry, Marshawn Lattimore, Todd Gurley, Joe Burrow, Evan Ingram. I think this one's probably the most open one. Um, I know Cam and Tebow, um, you know, along with Darren McFadden in their bracket, and then Mark Ingram, the one two seeds there. I think both of those brackets are probably finished one versus two. Um, you know, who knows what'll happen there, but I, I think this one should be pretty open. Um, I think we should have a lot of upsets here. Um, so that is it for that region. We have Cam Newton going on Monday in his region. We'll have Johnny Manziel in his region going on Tuesday on our Twitter page at, at Outside the HUD. Um, before we head out. Jake, let's get your thoughts on this no sports situation. I asked Shay this question last week, and I want to get your thoughts on it. So I know since the last time we talked, Shay, actually, a lot has been going on with college football potentially being postponed or even canceled, um, which I don't know about that at this point. I think it's still really early to tell. Um, but here's my question for you, Jake. How many? What is the what is the minimum number of wins you would want for Alabama to guarantee a full football season? Um, I think Shay, what did you say? Six wins for Auburn to guarantee a real fo- or a full football season. Otherwise, it's probably not worth it. Um, Jake, what are your what's your thought on that for Bama? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would I would take six wins, but as an Alabama fan, and after everything that happened last year, mm-hmm. we just had some unfortunate events. Um, I think eight uh, eight nine is is what it's going to take for for me to have football back, mm-hmm. but. Um, but man, it it you know, guys, I, I hate it so much because you know, yeah. y'all do y'all do podcasts about sports. We do podcasts about sports, and when when there's no sports on, nothing going on, you know, you just scramble and find some, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's been a struggle. Yeah, and I think for like at least for most college fans, I don't want to say it's a good timing for it. Obviously, March Madness sucked, and we missed that. But this is kind of the slow season, at least for college sports, anyway. So. Right. I mean, this point of the year, we're not going to talk about too much anyways. We mostly talk about football and basketball. We try to talk some baseball, softball, whatever other sports come up. But we're mostly football and basketball, which at this point, I guess what the national championship for basketball would be Monday, and then it's over for there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, who knows what's going to happen with everything that's going on. I'm just hoping we get some football at some point. Um, I I've even at this point would go for fanless stadiums. I know, especially for – I think college football would be the worst. Um, like I know baseball, they're talking about no fans and let's be honest, baseball doesn't 
have as big of an impact with fans there. College football has a huge impact. Fans make it a home field advantage. I think it would suck having college football without fans, but I would take it at this point if, if that's what it would need. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, you know, for the sake of everybody, this whole thing can kind of die down over the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I yeah. hope so. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where, where y'all are located at-wise, but, uh, but our governor in Alabama put us under a shutdown starting yesterday at 5. But in her press conference, she said, if, and this is, this is her words, yeah. if y'all want college football, stay at home. And so, yeah. I mean, that just, that just shows how much – through Alabama, especially, uh, how much college football runs through our blood. So yeah, I, I mean, I've, I'm in Huntsville, so uh, yeah, I'm in Morgan County, so you know, I'm staying at home, even though I'm, I'm an essential worker. I still got to go to work every day, but but I am staying at home right, right now, and I hope I wish everybody else would do the same, you know, just because I want college football back, I want all sports back, you know, mm-hmm. so I know I do too. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching old football games on. YouTube and some old baseball games. I at this point, I mean, I was watching those ESPN, the Ocho, where they had all those, you know, cornhole and the oh, head yeah. soccer, ping pong type thing. I was watching everything just to have something. I just need some competition. I need something to argue. I, you know, it's hard to argue when there's no sports going on right now. So yeah. you got to have yeah. some, some sports debates here because debating politics isn't my thing. So I'd rather argue mm-hmm. sports with people. Agreed. <laughs> With that, Shay, Jake, let's wrap it up here. Any last thoughts before we head into this bracket, before we head back into another week of quarantine here? Yeah, I'm, I echo Jake's sentiments. I just want everybody to keep their ass at home. Yes. I mean, I really, I really want college football, and I want people not to die. Mm-hmm. Actually, we did have one other headline. I just remember this in the SEC this week. An unfortunate end to a very strong relationship with Mr. Ed Orgeron and his yes. wife. Did you yes. hear the news? That's, that's where we're at at this point. We're talking about Ed Orgeron's divorce. Um, what? You know that. Yeah, apparently yeah. it broke this week that they're breaking up, and I guess it's real. Huh. I saw it on TMZ at first. I didn't believe it, and then I saw like a couple other sites mention it. But I guess he said she can take the Shreveport house, and he's going to take the Baton Rouge house, and – it's just going to be how it goes. Wow. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. That. We'll see the impact on LSU next week or next year. But Ed Orgeron is officially on the market. Also, speaking of other coaches in the SEC West, Shay, you got a new Twitter follower this week. I did. Who was that? It was Mike Leach. And how did you manage to pull that off? What? Um, I I wrote an article about uh, which SEC coaches would uh, win in quarantine survivor. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you know, the obvious choice for everyone was, oh, at Orgeron. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I get it. But the man, it, and this is before the divorce news came out. And so now it's even more applicable. Okay, this guy, okay, he's Cajun. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be gassy and he might be drunk. Yeah. And he's going through a divorce right now. So Mike Leach, who has everything together and is a loose cannon, I mean, it's, he's the obvious choice. I can't think of any other coach that is going to take his place or he's going to beat him. Yeah, I mean, plus he has the survivor skills. I mean, he's been hunting Sasquatch for like 30 years, so yep. he, knows yep. how to, he knows how to survive there. And he knows um, how to kill ants. I guess he does. <laughs> like ants, like the bug ants or like? 
your aunt, like your mom's sister. No, like the bugs. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Although he's being censored now on Twitter, which is annoying because I guess people complained about his his latest meme he had, um, which I think is stupid. Like, it's probably somebody who doesn't even know who Mike Leach is. Saw he made a joke about, you know, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet or not. Um, yeah. But if you saw it, you know what I'm talking about the the one of the lady knitting her husband uh what was it like a, a necktie or something yes um, i think that was the meme said but i think it was probably a bunch of people who didn't know who mike leach was that that's all his twitter humor is and they probably got uptight about it but i think it i think that's another reason we need sports back because if people are getting mad at mike tweet mike leach about his tweets yep. something's got to change because they're they're layers he's i've actually got his tweets on like notifications where anytime he tweets i get a notification just because of how funny they are um, luckily, like that's all he tweets. Like I don't have to deal with any like Mississippi State football BS, um, at least for now. But all his tweets are like memes that he gets from like they're like memes you saw on Facebook from like 2007. They're like that generation is like just now seeing because they're like 15 years behind all the funny humor. But they're like funny because it's been like 15 years since you've seen it. But that's his that's his humor. He's like the grandpa who who like you know all his jokes, but it's still funny because of who he is. Mm-hmm. But guess that's where we're at um that i guess we'll wrap it up for good this time um thanks for anybody who tuned in this week hopefully you get through another week of quarantine and stay safe out there um like governor what's her name k yes okay like she said stay home if you want football so stay home unless you have to go out then go out but stay in your car if you go out um thanks for jake jake let's give me another shout out here Follow his podcast. You're on iTunes. Where else can they find your podcast? Spotify. Any, okay. Anywhere you can download a podcast. We, we're pretty much on that platform. The Tide Talk Podcast. Any Bama fans who want to check it out, check it out. Any Auburn fans who want to go check it out and make fun of Bama fans, you can do that as well. Um, but just you know, check them out. Give them a view. Follow them on Twitter at Tide Talk underscore pod. And then at Jake Thomas Tide. That will be it for this week. We'll see you soon.